we have visual. Oh man, I've never felt so legit in my life. Welcome back, my church brothers and sisters, to the Revivalist for Christ podcast. My name is Jordan, and I am your host. If this is your first time tuning in, welcome. I hope that you enjoy. We have a great conversation planned for today. Well, hello, everybody. It's Jordan, and I'm back with my beanie. Um, so something's a little different. I finally went visual. <laughs> the setup's been kind of weird. Right now, I have this very weird light. I ordered a new one because, like, you can even see, like, it makes it look like I'm, like, I am exhausted. Don't get me wrong, <laughs> but I'm not that exhausted. <laughs> so it's kind of like just hovering down over me and not the most flattering like so we got another one on the way but i'm super excited to be able to go visual because i feel that it's a lot more personal in that sense uh it gives you guys something more to look at than just a picture for an hour and a half so and it's definitely i don't know i just it's nice to have a visual element for those who are tuning in to a podcast because not everybody just listens to the auditory podcast. Some actually tune in for the YouTube channel and I'm, I'm very appreciative of that, by the way. So thank you. Um, but before I get started, I did want to share something. I have to be 100% transparent with you guys. This hasn't been the best week for me because with all the changes being made, it was somewhat stressful because there's certain things that I'm putting together to have archived, to put in every um, podcast, some effects to use. Uh, it's been a lot of experimenting, so it's kind of pushed me back on my deadline. I usually like to have my podcast edited, saved, and all that a couple of days prior before releasing, um, but that just didn't happen this week. And I brought on a good friend of mine this week who works in missions because I was like, well, <laughs> if if this were to be a complete mess, I don't want to have somebody on who could actually judge me. And he's my friend, so he actually already knows that I can be a mess. So because at one point I was actually his supervisor at a previous job, so he already knows that, like, it's just my personality. Like, I, I'm very good at what I do sometimes, and then other times it's just like, ah. So, but um it's just funny because well it's actually not funny at all I kind of have a love-hate relationship going on with my computer this week uh there was one night I made it sleep on the couch we are not having a very good relationship this week at all but for some reason this has not happened before because even though you guys have only heard audio there's always been video involved and we always use the same software so there this hasn't been an issue before and for some reason we recorded the whole podcast and when we went to pull up the video it was just it wasn't there <laughs> I have no idea what happened. And at this point, my guests had already gone to work for the day. And I was like, oh, no, like I was losing it. And so I texted and he was like, yeah, I can re-record later. And I was just like, thank you. <laughs> because I don't know. It was just, it's so stressful. This week has definitely been one of the more hard weeks of the podcast, but it will all be worth it when it comes out. So I hope you guys really enjoy this podcast, but it's leaving a lot of Christians asking the question, well, who can we trust? And the question of that is very simple, right? Like Jesus Christ, duh. You know, if you're trusting anyone else, but Jesus Christ to be the rock 
of your foundation of faith, you're trusting in the wrong person. That's that's sand. It's going to fade really quick. Like, I just think for anyone who's losing their faith in Jesus because they put their trust in a fallible man, that's just a really poor testament of faith, in my opinion. And I can't imagine that those people were truly regenerated believers to be able to fall away due to uh, a man who is just as fallible as you and me uh, engaging in a lifestyle sin. That's just the thing. Like, we never know. Anyone can look good on camera. You know, anyone can make their lives seem perfect on camera. But that's why for me, because I know, I know that one day I'm going to be held accountable. I'm going to stand before God and have to explain every word that I've communicated on this podcast. And so I don't like to communicate about anything unless I'm 100% certain because I don't want to be judged in a way for teaching heresy. And that's another reason why I choose to be so transparent with you guys, because being transparent not only provides a way of being held accountable. Since this is a virtual audience, I don't have a physical audience in a sense or like a congregation that would hold me accountable like another leader would be held accountable at their church. So, um, but it's only when I'm transparent that people no longer see me, but they can start to see Christ through me. And that's the goal. You know, Paul talks about how he must decrease so Christ can increase. So, I just had a couple of notes that I wanted to share about that. Um, The first one being, you know, stop putting men on a pedestal that only God belongs. That's obvious. Like, it makes no sense to be putting a man up there like that. Um, And the other point that I want to make is this just is a testament to how disastrous sin is because we have this man who, for years was such a strong apologist so many people even his enemies just completely adored him um but nobody could really say a bad word about him and this sin was festering behind the scenes and now all of his work all of his years of ministry are completely discredited because of the sin in his life. This is why sin is dangerous. It not only has the power to bring corruption into your life, but it also takes away from your testimony. And you never know how your testimony played in someone else's um, faith journey and how detrimental that can be, especially for people who may be babes in Christ or who are seeking. And that's why we're warned so often to avoid sin, because it's not something to take lightly. And the thing is, it doesn't just start off like that. It doesn't just start off as sex scandals. It starts off very innocent. It starts off with thinking a little bit too much about that person that just walked by you that was attractive. And then that moves into pornography. And then from there, it just escalates and escalates and it becomes an issue. And you've got to hold yourself accountable. You have to have people you can reach out to. That's why we're told not to forsake the fellowship because prayer and fellowship are going to be 
great um, preventers of the sin and then relying on the Holy Spirit to deliver you from those desires of sin through a regeneration of your heart, changing of mind. That can only be done on the Holy Spirit's part. And it's like I said last week on my podcast with Lena, like we can't really control what we're tempted with, but we can control what we expose ourselves to. So that's something that I want to remind you guys of. Um, But just know that as a teacher, you're going to be held in a higher standard for what you're telling people because you're teaching these people and they're holding on to your truth. And that's, that's a huge responsibility. That's something you don't want to take lightly. You don't want to just teach for the sake of teaching. You want to know what you're talking about because you're going to be judged upon the words that you tell people. And you don't want to be responsible for anyone being led astray. Absolutely not. Um, the other thing that I keep hearing about this scandal is people keep comparing Robbie Zacharias to King David. One thing I want to say about that is it's very clear. The Bible is full of horrible people that God's been able to use. We shouldn't be surprised that that can happen today. Absolutely not. God can still continue to use very sinful men, but there does become a danger when we start comparing Christians to other Christians, believers with other believers. When we're comparing Ravi Zacharias and King David, they're not the same. Ravi Zacharias is Ravi Zacharias. King David is King David. We can't compare people with other people because we can't let other people be the standard that we're setting what represents a true, true Christian. That's how we get into situations like this. The only person that we can hold to as our standard is Jesus Christ himself. So um, that's what I really wanted to start with. I feel that is just an important message to reach or preach right now, just because so many people probably feel betrayed. They probably feel hurt. They probably feel let down. But don't let Robbie Zacharias or any of your church leaders or any of these other um people who have fallen in their ministry be the anchor in your faith. Let Jesus be your anchor because it's only through him that we are able to stand firm in our foundation of faith. So with that said, I did want to, before hopping into the topic today, share the gospel message with you guys. I usually share this towards the end of the podcast, But I thought that we would start doing it at the beginning because I never know when someone might tune out. And I feel that the gospel is the most important part of the podcast. So go ahead and take a listen. This is the gospel message. And I just pray that you will open your heart and let it change your life. We were fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God to declare his glory and reveal his majesty. The problem is that one of the angels of God wanted to be higher than God himself and therefore this angel was cast out of heaven, becoming the fallen angel, or as we know him, the devil. One day in the Garden of Eden, there was Adam and Eve, the first humans, and the fallen angel appeared to them in the form of a serpent and tempted them to sin against God, and they did, causing mankind to fall. 
God was angered and he casted Adam and Eve from the garden and told the serpent that he was going to send one who would crush the serpent's head and the serpent would bruise his heel. You have to understand that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and because of that we all deserve an eternal separation from God which is hell. But God loved the world so much that he became man and that man's name was Jesus Christ. Jesus lived a perfect and sinless life by fulfilling all the requirements of the law in order to become the perfect sacrifice for our sins. He was spat on, mocked, and beaten, and people even gambled over his clothes. He was whipped to the point where his flesh was torn from his body and a crown of thorns was crushed into his skull. He was then forced to carry his cross to the site where he would be nailed to it. Jesus then used his last bit of energy after hanging on the cross for several hours to say, it is finished, and then he commended his spirit to the Father. Jesus was then buried. But three days later, he rose from the grave, conquering sin and death. Don't you see? God passed the law that would cause the Jews to sentence his incarnate form to death. The law was the schoolmaster to lead us to Christ and allow us to see our need for a savior. The law was a shadow of good things to come. The promise came before the law. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. This is our savior. Now whosoever believes in Jesus Christ as your savior by trusting in his life, death, burial, and resurrection will be saved. He will take on your sin, and you will take on his imputed righteousness. This is the love of God, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Call out to him today. Confess him as your Lord. When you trust only in the blood of Jesus Christ to be your salvation from sin, you will be sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise as a down payment of guarantee of eternal life until the day of deliverance. The Holy Spirit is the seed of God which is planted in you by Jesus Christ through faith in Him. This is what allows you to be presented before a holy God as blameless. The Holy Spirit then baptizes you into the body of Christ, making you part of the ecclesia, meaning the church or the called out ones. Your heart will be circumcised and you will be sanctified, meaning you will be set apart from your flesh. We are eternally secure in him because he who begins a good work in us will be faithful to complete it. And daily we will work out our salvation with reverent fear and rejoice and trembling as we conform to the image of Jesus Christ. We become disciples of Jesus and that discipleship journey will look different for everyone. So do not compare yourself to other Christians, but only to Jesus Christ because he is the only standard we strive for. Repent today, that is to turn towards Jesus. Do not let man deceive you into thinking that you must drop all your sins before you come to Jesus. Jesus wants you to come just as you are because he came to call the sinners to repentance, not the righteous. Those who are given to him by God and seek him, he shall in no way cast out. Stop clinging on to the branches of religion and instead come to know the true vine, that is Jesus Christ, because without him, there is no victory, there is no deliverance, and there is no healing. We can do nothing without him. He is our savior from the penalty of sin. 
he is our savior from the power of sin and eventually he will be our savior from the presence of sin he himself took on the penalty of your sin that you would find forgiveness and redemption from your sin today he desires a relationship with you and heaven is waiting to rejoice when you turn to him Receive the free gift of salvation today through faith in Jesus Christ and enter through the narrow gate that leads to eternal life with your heavenly Father. Amen. All right, powerful stuff. So like I said, I am joined by a great friend today. He has worked in missions and is going to be entering missions full time. Uh, we're going to be talking a lot about authority today and what does it mean to have authority in Jesus Christ, as well as where does Jesus get his authority from? And then we'll also be looking at the fact that Jesus provided a miraculous catch of fish. And so we're going to get to see the authority that Jesus has over all creation. And that's also going to include uh, the spiritual. And then finally, we're going to be answering the question, are there modern day Pharisees? So before we hop into all of that, let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, I just want to thank you, Lord, so much for this ministry and every person that's tuning in today, Lord. I pray that you will guide my words and that your Holy Spirit will move in their heart. And I pray that you will give them ears to hear, Lord. I pray that there will be deliverance and we will come to learn what authority in you means today, Lord. I pray that we will not be deterred by others in this world who may fall into sin, but keep that we will keep our eyes focused on you, Father God. And I just pray that our focus will remain in your word rather than the words of men. We pray all this in your holy name. Amen. All right, guys, let's go ahead and get started. All right, guys, I am joined by another great guest today. I have my good friend here, Jacob McCool. Jacob, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's quite an honor. Well, thanks for coming on. It's certainly been a day. So. <laughs> that it has. That it has. We've been having quite a few hiccups here or there, so we know that a good conversation is on the horizon. <laughs> it's funny because I told you earlier today, and it was supposed to be a joke, like I was using you as a guinea pig for this new setup, but you really have become the guinea pig. <laughs> <laughs> really testing all of this so at least you already know that i'm a mess <laughs> aren't we all that's perfect so i always like to begin the podcast by asking my guests what is your favorite bible verse and why does that one mean so much to you yeah um so my favorite bible verse is matthew 7 13 through 14 which is enter through the narrow gate for wide is a gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many people enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life and only a few find it. Um, and for the last couple of years, that's been my favorite verse. Um, as I see it as a, a big reminder to live for the Lord um, and that a good reminder of 
you know, living life for the Lord isn't always going to look cool or acceptable to the world. You're going to be going against the grain. Um, the majority of people are going to be living um, lives for themselves or lives for the world, lives for the flesh. Um, but when you live for the Lord, um, you're the smaller, you're the minority, um, you're a smaller group of people. And um, just being aware of that um, sets you up better in life um, for less disappointment and um, just so you're better suited and better prepared for what the world has to throw at you. For sure. And I think that's such a important reminder to stay diligent in your walk because, you know, while the world's out here living la vida loca <laughs> and, you know, there are a lot of cheap thrills, um, those are fleeting. And what we're working yeah. towards, even though our flesh at times may feel like it's being deprived of fun, um, yeah. our re rewards are eternal and that's going to bring joy and joy supersedes so much of the cheap thrills that this world has to offer so right. i think that's a very important verse for a christian to take and um you actually said that you have a tattoo about uh, this verse as well yeah 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 i'll whip it out hold on it's my only <laughs> tattoo it's right here uh it says be the few um just for the last part of that verse where it says only nice. if you find it so it's just a reminder to myself when i look down at it every day um to live for the lord that's awesome. That's awesome. So you definitely have a passion in the field of missions. You've already done some mission work and you're hoping to become a full-time uh, mission worker, which I think is incredible. So why don't you kind of talk a little bit about what your testimony is and where, where your walk with the Lord came from and where this passion for missions came from? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I've been a Christian for as long as I can remember. Was raised in a Methodist church um, back in my small town of Russell or near Warren, where we're from, Warren, Pennsylvania. And um, as I grew up, I um, definitely, I guess, was seen as more of like a Christian kid in school and tried to like do my best and be a nice person. But I didn't really, truly, I think, take on uh, my Christian walk until the end of my high school time. And then in, going into college the summer before I left for college and in 2015 was a very formative year um, in my relationship with Christ um, setting up for me a um, like new, a new foundation um, for when I went to college. And then, so immediately when I went to college, I um, decided I wanted to like make that relationship my own, you know, I was away from my parents and I wanted to take it upon myself and actually further my relationship with the Lord. So I um, found a church when I went to college and got involved with a campus ministry called Chi Alpha and really just like dove headfirst into um, community and finding others like me um, that wanted to take the relationship with Christ seriously. Um, so, and through that, I went on my first international mission trip to Nicaragua and then went two more times. So, and then through those times, I realized that um, I definitely uh, wanted to and, and could see myself doing this for um, life. And I, I have a passion for photography and traveling already. And so I was trying to incorporate that into where God could take me with um, spreading the gospel. Um, and then eventually, um, having heard a calling to high risk areas, 
um, specifically for missionary work. I um, went on a six-week missions internship to Turkey um, with this certain missions organization. And um, when I was there, we like lived it out. We lived with the missionaries that are over there and did day-to-day with them. And I definitely um, saw myself doing that. And it was kind of like, for me going there, it was kind of like a test of like, could I do this for life? Like, I, could I see myself as this being my profession? And I definitely did. And it was very much like a confirming um, a trip. And so now I'm currently back in the States, um, living in Florida currently, and with everything going on with the pandemic, um, just currently trying to work to pay off student loans so I can better step into ministry in the missions field um, further down the line in the future. That's that's awesome. And you actually said something just a minute ago that I thought was very interesting. You, you talked about, you know, how when you entered your college years, you thought that was an appropriate time to um, get your relationship right with God. And I think that's such a critical time, especially mm-hmm. with all that you're exposed to on campus. And I almost hear the opposite in a lot of Christian testimonies that college became their wild years or the years they kind of drifted from God. So what really led into that realization and how do you think that uh, impacted your entire college career? Yeah. um, I think I, I had some, I wouldn't call them necessarily wild, but like I already had some, like I had went to parties in high school. Um, I had lived that life a little here and there. um, And you know, found myself not, you know, fully satisfied. And so I think I, for me, I feel like I already had my like time of rebellion out of the way, but also it's because um, that summer before college, I had big experiences with the Lord. Um, Miracles happen. Um, Things I can't explain other than the Lord that I really feel like he was like shaking me and like, you know, pointing me in the right direction, um, for reason. And without those like redirects, redirections that he was putting in my life during that summer before college, I don't think I would have, you know, taken him as seriously. Um, and like one was like a really bad car crash I was in that I don't think I should have lived through. Um, but like walked out, like I'm like unheard at all. Um, another was this crazy miracle with rain that happened. That's a story for another time, but all these different things happened that like a lot, like pointed me to like taking him seriously. Like he was trying to get my attention. Um, and then, so of course, like I had nothing else to do, but to see that and to take him seriously and dive into that. So then when I went to college, it, um, it just opened me up to diving deeper and then also, um, coming alongside of other friends in college, um, and, and talking to them about Christ as well. That's awesome. And I kind of resonate with that a little bit because I myself found myself in a very bad car accident when I was down in Florida and I went headfirst into a concrete pole. Later in the year, I ended up going homeless. It was like I uh, Jordan was so stubborn that God literally <laughs> allowed me to destroy my own life in a lot of ways and just have everything stripped of me to be able to finally come back to him and it's just crazy how stubborn we are 
in our flesh sometimes. Yeah, but yeah. we were actually talking about this a little bit earlier about how it's almost like we've sort of shadowed each other over the years because, you know, I, I knew of you when you were younger because we were involved with the same theater. Mm-hmm. And then I actually met you at uh, Jordan Spencer's fantastic audition. And for my listeners, if they remember, Jordan Spencer was our guest on week one with his wife, Kira. And then we actually worked together at one company, which we will not name, but I was actually your supervisor there, which I, I mean, I, I was your favorite supervisor, right? Like, no, you were, you're not like other supervisors. You're the cool supervisor. I, yeah, I'm the cool one. Yeah, you're the cool one for sure. Incredibly humble, just the mm. nicest, easiest to work with. I yeah, don't I, crack under pressure. It's no, just not no. at all. Not at all. I'm just man flawless. But <sighs> but then what's funny is we both ended up moving down to Florida and then yeah. ended up working for the same company down there as well. Just completely different sides of the state, um, which we will mm-hmm. not name that company either, but it's a pretty big entertainment company. Um <laughs> But that was a good time. And yeah. I I don't know. It's just, it seems very it's weird. It's, <laughs> yeah. weird how, like, it's like, I would see it like this, you know, it's just like, oh, oh, like coming together and apart. But like, it's funny how God weaves those stories. Right, for sure. And it's interesting because we, in all that time, it's almost like we didn't really talk too much about our faith until we were how do I wear this we were at work one day but not like really working at work because it was a break where we got to do some things it's a very yeah (laughs) but that was like the first time that we were talking about um mission work and we were kind of talking about some of the organizations and I just think that's kind of cool but hopping back to your testimony and as far as the mission work goes do you notice a difference between Christian culture in America and Christian culture overseas? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a great question. I think every country probably is different, like the different countries I've been to. Um, but I can say that certain countries, the people that are Christians seem to be a lot more on fire or, and that's, that's always case to case too. You know, that's not everybody you can't speak for an entire country. Um, but it's crazy to see when you go to countries that, you know, might have less opportunity, um, not be the same financial status either. Um, they're the ones that like, I've noticed that the more financially poor you are, the more spiritually rich they actually seem. Mm. Um, and it's really, that was really eye-opening for me in my trips that, um, you know, they're more willing to just like lay it all on the line, give it all to, give it all to Christ and like Christ is their everything because that's all they have. And I think it's such a beautiful thing. Whereas like in America, I definitely have noticed the, the other side where we might be financially rich, but we're spiritually poor. And that's not also, like I said, not speaking for everybody. Right. Um, and, um, but I've just seen you know, the juxtaposition between the two um, 
like America versus other countries. Yeah, for sure. And it's funny because after we hopped off of our first recording earlier, (laughs) (laughs) I actually went into a meeting and in that meeting, I addressed the issue, the fact that America definitely takes their privilege for granted and their ability to worship. And because they take it for granted, they don't even use it. They just ignore their privilege. When there are people who are risking their lives, they are risking jail sentence just for having a Bible in their home. Right. It's really eye-opening when, yeah, you look at the two. Definitely. Now, I know that there are certain experiences that just stick out to people on their mission journey. Like, for example, one of the ones um, I haven't been on missions myself, but one of my friends who worked in missions, I just remember the emotional um, response that she had when she got to witness a miracle of a lady being healed and having her sight restored. Do you have any experiences in your mission work that you feel has really transformed you and helped you grow in your faith oh wow that's a great question um so nothing as crazy and awesome as like witnessing a physical healing um but like i've had definitely had a few um in over over the years and I also like write them all down all the time, like when I'm there, so I can go back and reread them. Um, but a few that come to mind is just different opportunities where Christ has opened doors to have conversations with people. Um, I think about one in this one mountainous city I was in, in Turkey, um, we were at a park and these um, younger Turkish uh, guys invited me and my group over to like learn some Turkish dancing and then through that connection, um, we, I later met up with six, um, like young 18 to 20 year olds, um, guys, uh, we met up at this, um, little restaurant, just me and them to talk about Christ. And I didn't know much Turkish. So a lot of it was Google translate, but, um, it's just crazy to think how I could have been, and I probably was the first person ever like sit down and actually talk to them about god and who like our christian god is um who jesus christ is and what he's done for them um and for me it was just all about obviously that none of them came to christ that evening um but they asked a lot of questions and um and it's all about you know planting seeds and chipping away at it um so i think it all it all matters and uh, it's all about building that relationship, building that connection. And it's really cool because I was able to get their numbers and like still be in communication with them. Um, and so that I like, ho- hopefully like, you know, years down the road, um, like if something happens and then they remember me or, you know, they'll remember, like if they have a question, they can always come back to me. So I think that's really special and cool. Yeah. And for some reason, I feel that's something that Christians today don't really grasp is sometimes it takes those seeds time to grow, you know, and I think we oftentimes get discouraged when we evangelize and, you know, we don't see that conversion right on the spot, but we know that everything works in God's perfect timing and that's what we have to trust in. So very cool. So 
In today's podcast, we are going to talk a lot about the topic of authority. So when you hear that word authority, what comes to mind? Uh, You as my supervisor at Unnamed Business. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Not at all. Um, Yeah, I I definitely think of... Someone that's in charge, someone that has is in control um, of a situation, um, and like I immediately think of parents, um, like your authority figure um, in, in the home would be like you, you know your dad, your mom, um, and that's that's usually what comes to mind. For sure, and the the non the non Christian non Sunday school answer of God. But, <laughs> it's obviously, but like, yeah, that's usually what I think. Of. No, definitely true. What I find interesting is the Bible tells us we have authority in Jesus Christ. Do you feel that Christians today really? First of all, do they know that? Like, they know the verses, and that sounds good, stitched on a pillow. But do they know that in their heart? I think it's something that it should be talked about more. I think it's a a good topic of um, like something that you should, you know, utilize and dive into. And I think, yeah, I think we could all be reminded more often of the authority that, um, that we have in Christ. Most definitely. And actually the first account that we're going to look at is when Jesus teaches with authority, which this account can be found in Mark chapter one, verses 21 through 28, as well as Luke chapter four, verses 31 through 37. So go ahead and take a listen. And they went into Capernaum and straightway on the Sabbath day, he entered into the synagogue and taught and they were astonished at his doctrine. For he taught them as one that had authority, and not as the scribes. And there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. And he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace, and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had torn him, and cried with a loud voice, he came out of him. And they were all amazed, insomuch that they questioned among themselves, saying, What thing is this? What new doctrine is this? But with authority commandeth he even the unclean spirits, and they do obey him. And immediately his fame spread abroad throughout all the region round about Galilee. So what do you feel made Jesus such a great teacher here? After all, his ministry only lasted for three years, but it echoes just as loud today as it did back then. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, just knowing about the gospel and um, the life of Jesus, you can see through his um, characteristics and attributes um, that he just, and the way he carries himself, um, it just makes him a great teacher uh, from, you know, just his care, his love, um, his humility, his wisdom, the authority that's shown here in this scripture that we're talking about. Um, the wisdom to know when to use that authority, when not to, there's times when, um, you know, Jesus is more reserved, quiet and thoughtful. And then there's times where he, you know, has that control and uses that control that, um, is given to him, um, with that authority, um, as, as shown here, um, when casting out this impure spirit in, in the Mark, um, 
in the Mark scripture of this. Yeah, of course. And I do think it's very interesting because Jesus does illustrate very well how to exercise authority. You know, we see him exercising authority out of love, compassion, and care, Mm -hmm. whereas a lot of people today exercise their authority out of a place of power and control. So I do think that's very interesting to see his attributes tie in with his authority. And you actually brought up the fact that he cast out an impure spirit here, which I find very interesting in this account. I think it's very beautiful because when Jesus rebuked the man, he rebuked the spirit within the man, but not the man himself. So what do you make of that? I think it's a beautiful uh, illustration of God, God's relationship with us. Like he knows, you know, that we're sinful, but he, you know, is after the person, not the sin. And he, he wants to see us separated from that sin, separated from that impure spirit. Um, he doesn't, Jesus doesn't hear like, you know, cast out the demon and then also criticize the man. Um, he is more worried about getting rid of that impure spirit that's inside of him. Um, and that's why, you know, Jesus is, came to be our savior um to come and take away that sin that we're struggling with and to wash us clean um because that's who he's after he's not after you know the sin that's in us he's after who us he's after you know jordan jacob our souls um i just think it's a beautiful illustration of that for sure and it i think people read accounts like that and it it's like, oh, wow, that's such a cool account. Or the, it might even be a account that they gloss over. But yeah. Jesus did come to save us from our sins. But that doesn't mean like he just came to offer forgiveness. He came to offer deliverance. And I feel that's something that people, we're talking about exercising our authority in Christ. And that is one of the authorities that we have to be delivered in the name of Jesus Christ. And I feel like that's something that often gets overlooked by, for a lot of Christians, primarily Western Christians. I definitely agree. Um, I think I think we need to focus more on the fact that, you know, Jesus is love. Jesus loves us. And, you know, he like I said, like you sent for this reason um, to deliver us from from evil, from to separate us and make us new. Um, new creations something to live in think about more definitely so the next account we're going to look at is actually when jesus preaches in galilee and we can find this account in matthew chapter 4 verses 23 through 25 as well as mark chapter 1 verses 35 through 39 and luke chapter 4 verses 42 through 44 so go ahead and take a listen And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place, and there prayed. And Simon, and they that were with him, followed after him. And when they had found him, they said unto him, All men seek for thee. And he said unto them, Let us go into the next towns, that I may preach there also, for therefore came I forth. And he preached in their synagogues throughout all Galilee, and cast out devils. So, In last week's podcast, we actually talked a lot about Jesus being the ultimate healer. So how do you feel that Jesus healing also correlates with his authority? Yeah, um, definitely 
healing is done through his authority. Um, just thinking about how, you know, God created everything. God created this world. And if he wants to change, modify, um, take away, add anything, he, he has that power. He has that authority to do so. Um, he is all powerful. Um, if he created this, he can, he can do anything. So all, all healing would, you know, stem from his authority and, and what, what he wants to be done. Most definitely. And when we look at Mark's account, we see something interesting before Jesus went out. And this is probably something you identify with in as a missionary. He went to a solitude place and prayed first in order to be filled with the spirit before he came out. And this is something I was given as a, a piece of advice before before going into this ministry and even during this ministry is that keep in mind that you want to be filled up because if you're not filled up, you're not able to pour out to others. So as a missionary, how important do you think it is to find that time with Christ to be able to pour out in others? Oh, the most important just to spend time um, alone, abiding with the Lord and, um, and just spending time in prayer, um, not just, you know, talking at him, but also just sitting in the silence of like willing and waiting in the time to receive from him. Um, Silence is um, a very necessary thing in our walk. Um, But Jesus displays this throughout um, the gospel, just just times where he steps away um, to be in silent communication with the Lord. And I think that, you know, it's definitely there to show us and model for us what we need to be doing um just taking time to step back and prepare and abide um during this time of the pandemic in the very early stages i was really taking the time um and looking at it as a time of preparation that god was blessing us with um or at least blessing me with because i was just stuck at home and um definitely time where i could just spend spend with him and lean into what he was preparing me for didn't really know what but like God was, um, I just want, I was like, God, I want to use this time in preparation for what's next. Yeah, absolutely. I know that this pandemic has given me a time to refocus as well. And as a result, this ministry was kind of birthed from it. When we mm-hmm. look at Luke's account, we also see something very interesting. These people just got a taste of Jesus and got to just be in his presence. And then all of a sudden they don't want him to leave. And I think that's very reminiscent of those people. Once they finally get a taste of Jesus, it's like, Mm -hmm. oh, I don't, I don't want him to leave. So what do you think about that? Yeah, it's beautiful, right? Like, I think it's so cool. Like, it's so, (laughs) they're so blessed and lucky to have lived, like, physically with Jesus, like, right there. That's really cool. Um, But also then it's a reminder that, you know, we also get to, live with him like you know he's not dead um he's alive in us we have the holy spirit with us um he's always there to talk to and um we can be just as much you know in communication as they were with him there and that's like such a special and really cool thing um but i mean you know it makes sense like of course they wouldn't want him to leave um like they had like you said they had a taste and they wanted you know to be in his presence and I think that's just so cool. And I would love to see like that today, you know, um, what mm-hmm. the world would look like if, you know, Jesus was walking around today and people, you know, were able to gather around him and want him to stay close to them. I mean, it's just so beautiful. 
Yeah, and I shared a bit of this earlier on my thoughts of this, but we definitely live in a unique time where, you know, people under the old covenant didn't get to experience the Holy Spirit like we do today. And the Holy Spirit's ministry is definitely very beautiful in its own way. You just see mass revivals break out in certain parts of the world and you just see hundreds line up along the beach to be baptized one day and it's just absolutely beautiful so definitely definitely a very powerful thing when you get to encounter the godhead in any way for sure yeah i agree So the next account that we look at is when Jesus actually provides a miraculous catch of fish. And that account is in Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. So go ahead and take a listen. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake. But the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep, and let down your nets for a draught. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night, and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word I will let down the net. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and their net brake. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships, so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were with him, at the draught of the fishes which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. So we see that Jesus has such authority here that the nets would Mm -hmm. become so full that they would start to break and that the boats would start to sink. And (laughs) this is after a night where they were unable to even catch one fish. So what does this tell us about Jesus' authority? First of all, just over creation, but also our need for his authority in our lives in order to provide for our needs. Yeah, I think it's one of those really cool uh, accounts where God, where Jesus is given the opportunity to flex a little. And, uh, <laughs> you know, they're out there struggling to catch one measly fish. And he just pulls up and is like, here you go. Like, I can do that. <laughs> um, but really, it's really cool because it's also a reminder of, um, you know, there are that's their, that's their livelihood. That's their job, you know, mm-hmm. fishermen. And they're probably stressing about that. If you think about putting yourselves in their shoes, um, they're probably stressed out about how they're not getting anything and um, probably weighs pretty heavily on the fact that, you know, we need to make this income. Um, and then Jesus like, you know, here's this um, big net of fish that I can give you. Um, so he kind of like eliminates the stress and worry that's going on in their life of like you're worrying about this but like there's much bigger things much bigger fish to fry um ha, ha, okay. um <laughs> i got it i got it. Yeah, yeah, okay a little slow on the uptake but 
Um, you know, that like, you know, it just shows <laughs> Jesus is showing that he can provide um, and just the authority of and he can do anything. He is God and um, he has that authority. Definitely. And I was actually sharing this with a church yesterday because um, I'm kind of involved in their leadership group chat. And one thing they were expressing the need of was this influx of prayer requests that they were having trouble keeping up with. And like, I know that one of the leaders in that church today, the lead pastor actually ended up spending five hours in prayers, just getting all like trying to get caught up on all the prayer requests. And to me, one thing that I shared is what you should go back and do is tell them to pray for faith instead of their needs because Jesus already promised that our needs would be fulfilled that we don't need to worry so we need to have faith in that promise it's really good yeah so one thing that I also see here that I really like and probably something that resonates very well with you as a missionary is in verse 10 Jesus says fear not from henceforth thou shalt catch men. So what does that mean to you as somebody who's on the mission field? Yeah, I mean, it's just definitely alluding to, you know, the Great Commission and why we're here of, we are here to spread the gospel. We're here to make um, Christ known and to build the kingdom, um, to bring honor and glory to God. And um, like I said, like he they were stressing about this one thing and then Christ comes in and relieves that stress and shows them that like, I could easily take care of this issue that you, you're probably feeling stressed about and not catching any fish. Um, I'm going to come eliminate the stress and then point you in the right direction of like, this is you're, you're worried and focused about this, but I want you to fix yourself on this and that's spreading the gospel. Yeah. And something that just came to mind, I feel like we have so many ministries today that either try to monopolize off of the Christian message, the gospel. I mean, you see so many Bible translations because they want to be able to put out their own translation and make money off the Bible because the Bible is the number one best-selling book in the world. And you have a lot of people who I feel go into service, but not as obedience to Christ, not even for a desire to share the gospel, but almost as a way to make themselves feel better and kind of validate and give themselves a sense of purpose. So do you feel that we can effectively be fisher of men if we're in it for ourselves? That's actually a very, I think, deep question (laughs) of... No, because like I definitely have like heard that question before of like, can God still work in your selfishness is basically what that boils down to. Mm. And I think it's yes. Um, like God can still work in your selfishness. Um, like God can work all things for his good. Mm. Um, it obviously is probably it's not the <laughs> the way you'd want. Um but obviously them making these, for example, as you were saying, like making these Bibles, uh, someone might find that and actually come to Christ through that. And if that's the case, so be it. Um, at least they're coming to Christ. It's just unfortunate 
with certain that people have certain intentions and that's something that you know god will deal with um he's ultimate judge and um but yeah i think i think god use it can can use selfishness um but it's probably not the best means to um work for the kingdom for sure and i feel that god is so sovereign he can even use the most wicked of men to lead nations to christ but right what you're kind of sacrificing there are the benefits of serving christ not like the actual tangible benefits but just that there there's a difference between doing something and giving yourself self-validation, which is kind of like those fleeting moments and actually yeah. having your spirit filled with joy. Because to me, joy is not an emotion. It is a spiritual fruit that brings forth through service and fellowship with God. And yeah. when you kind of forsake that fellowship mm-hmm. with God and it almost becomes more about you than God, God can use that. Absolutely. Absolutely but you're kind of it's just unfortunate yeah yeah yeah. you kind of like forfeiting your spiritual growth there so very good point um so hopping over to our next account here we're actually going to read about when jesus visits matthew's house and he dines with the sinners so (gasps) we can read (laughs) i know it's crazy (laughs) not the sinners (laughs) so we can actually read this account in matthew chapters 9 uh verses 9 through 13 mark chapter 2 verses 13 through 17 luke chapter 5 verses 27 through 32 so go ahead and take a listen and after these things he went forth and saw a publican named levi sitting at the receipt of custom and he said unto him follow me and he left all rose up and followed him And Levi made him a great feast in his own house, and there was a great company of publicans and of others that sat down with them. But their scribes and Pharisees murmured against his disciples, saying, Why do ye eat and drink with publicans and sinners? And Jesus answering said unto them, They that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance." What I absolutely love about this whole encounter is that Jesus is dining with the sinners. And he even said that he didn't come for the righteous, which I'm sure everybody was expecting this long-awaited Messiah to come for the righteous people. Um, But instead, he came to dine with the sinners, be with the sinners, fellowship with the sinners, to lead them to repentance. So what do you feel this says about Jesus in his ministry and even the expectations people had of him under the old covenant? Yeah. Um, It's exactly why he came. Um, You know, he came for the lost. Um, He, you know, left the 99 for the one. Um, It just shows his mercy and grace. Um, and his compassion for people. Um, I think I mentioned this earlier, but um, earlier today, but you know, you're not going to light, you need to bring the light to the darkness. Mm. Um, light, staying in the light is only so good, but you know, you need to broaden that light to the darkness. Um, And that's exactly what, you know, Jesus comes and models for us. 
Absolutely. And one of the most beautiful things um, you even see it in the old covenant in the new Testament mm-hmm. and even daily in our lives, like, like, I can't tell you like how least likely am I to be like, I'm just crazy Same. to think like, why would the God of the universe use me for something like this? Like mm-hmm. it's incredible but the one thing that i think about is when god uses the least likely and all that it is to show his power of course like he can use the weakest but it's just to me it's also so beautiful because god is giving a chance to the outcast like when we read all these biblical accounts we're reading about people who just had utter failures and god use them we're not hearing about all the people that had it together and we're possibly yeah. out there servicing god like to the best of their abilities you know it's just incredible testament to the god we have and the long suffering and love for us it's just amazing yeah it's incredible for sure so we actually are introduced for the first time in this passage to the Pharisees, which were the religious leaders at the time, the quote unquote righteous because of their need to, or because of their outward expression of their righteousness. But Jesus often rebuked them because they failed to see their inward wickedness. He really showed us what our sin nature is. It's not just an outward act. It really is. We are just wicked to the core. Um, you know, the Bible tells us that the heart is deceptive and wicked. And I just think the Pharisees don't have a good grasp on that. So do you feel that today we have modern day Pharisees among us? Definitely. Um, I think I think there's times that we can all be you know a percentage of Pharisee um in the way of self-righteousness um like I know like thinking about my own life there's times you know where I definitely thinking in the past like have been self-righteous in my thinking or thinking myself better than others or um and I think we all have those moments where we start down the path of being Pharisee like and I think I think that's also why they're included in this story of life um, and included in the gospel to show us and remind us not to tend towards those directions and not get caught up in our faith and be um, pretentious and, and self-righteous in that. Um, but to remind us to um, hum- be humble and to serve the Lord to the best of our ability and, and not that and taking us another route, taking us away from self-righteousness. Most definitely. And there's this little group of Christians out there called Lordship Salvationists, and they're out there like, repent of sin, and if you're not doing that, you're not a real real Christian. And the term itself, repent from sin, never actually appears anywhere in the Bible, but we are called to daily Mm -hmm. repentance. But I feel like what people are overlooking, Jesus says, I came to call the sinners to repentance. But that was, I'm calling them to me. I'm calling them to turn away from their beliefs and turn towards me. Repentance is all about turning to Jesus because it's only when we do that, that 
we are able to overcome those sins in our lives. Whereas I feel a lot of modern day Pharisees have taken repentance to mean our own self-righteousness and our own ability to drop sin, which we just possibly can't. And those people are just absolutely deceived if they truly believe that they are capable of dropping their own sin. First John Barry tells us that if you say you have no sin, you are deceived. Right. Exactly. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. It's unfortunate. Yeah, like there's definitely I've never heard of this group that you were referring to. Um, but yeah, there's definitely people out there that use use that. And I think I think even more so there's just um normal everyday people that use their um their belief in their faith as means to um put others down or make them feel bad um and there's a difference between it's the intention i guess you know it's the intention of that self-righteousness or if you're truly just trying to help um and it's hard to always you know it's hard we can't really assume others intentions like we don't only like god and god and them know their true intentions behind doing things um but we we want to always just try to have the good intentions of we're leading people to christ and we're not you know shouting like center at people to make them feel bad about themselves um but having the intention of just coming alongside and having community with people um i heard what was it uh you never mind i forget but yeah just along the lines of like you can't um you can't correct until you connect um okay is, that's what it was um like you don't expect to go around and you know um and yell at people for their sins if you haven't you don't you're not connected with them you're not on a deeper level with them and i think that's very wise words um but yeah like we as people need to check ourselves um check our hearts and check our intentions um and not become self-righteous in our faith. Most definitely. And I think one thing we need to ask when we're talking about this topic of repentance is, are you repenting to bring God glory or yourself glory? Mm, That's really good, yeah. I think that's very important to focus on. So this next account here, we actually see the religious leaders asking Jesus about fasting. And you can find that account in Matthew chapter 9, verses 14 through 17, Mark chapter 2, verses 18 through 22, as well as Luke chapter 5, verses 33 through 39. So go ahead and take a listen. And they said unto him, Why do the disciples of John fast often and make prayers? And likewise the disciples of the Pharisees, but thine eat and drink. And he said unto them, Can ye make the children of the bride chamber fast while the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them, and then shall they fast in those days. And he spake also a parable unto them. No man putteth a piece of a new garment upon an old. If otherwise, then both the new maketh a rent, and the piece that was taken out of the new agreeeth not with the old. And no man putteth new wine into old bottles, else the new wine will burst the bottles and be spilled, and the bottles shall perish. But new wine must be put into new bottles, and both are preserved. No man also, having drunk old wine, straightway desireth new, for he saith, The old is better. So 
we actually see Jesus speak in his first parable here. So what exactly is a parable? A parable. What's a parable? So a parable, <laughs> to my understanding, is a, um, a story that imparts wisdom. Um, that it's how Jesus would speak um, in, in stories, in, in tales that teaches a lesson that we might not be able to like understand unless um for lack of better words dumbed down into um an easier way to comprehend some a bigger meaning a bigger thing yeah and this is actually one of the old testament prophecies that the messiah would speak in parables and a large part of that you know we see this through circumcision we see this through water baptism we see this through parables we see it in so many practices because Jesus is trying to illustrate for us what is happening spiritually that we cannot comprehend. Because as much as we want to break it down to our formulas and our steps and all that, we will never fully comprehend what it is that's being accomplished in our salvation until mm. prob- I- I'm hoping that it will be fully explained in our eternal life i think our eternity is really going to give us a chance to learn a lot about what god did at his time and i think all eternity is going to give us the chance to sit down with each other and talk to each other one-on-one about the testimony of what god did in their life for sure so i think that's very cool um but this particular parable i feel is very powerful and I think it's something that's overlooked today by so many Christians. So many Christians are so tempted to put themselves back under the law. But Jesus is pretty much using this parable saying, you can't mix the old covenant with the new covenant. I mean, the, the law was a schoolmaster to point to Christ, our need for a savior. And Hebrews talks about it. It was the shadow of good things to come. Mm-hmm. So what do you make of the fact that people mix old with new? What's your stance on that? Yeah, like the, the old covenant is no more and that we have the new covenant. And that's the whole reason why Jesus came. Um, and that's yeah, exactly how like the whole Old Testament just points to the need for the savior and how hard it was in the old covenant to, you know, keep up with uh, um, sacrifices and rituals and um, made it almost impossible to, you know, be pure and um, to live a life completely devoted to God. And so all just points to the fact that like, we need the savior. We need someone else. We can't do it on our own through works. Um, as, as hard as we try, like we can't do it on, on our own. And that's the whole reason why Jesus was sent and why the new covenant was established um, to offer us, to show us that we can't do it on our own and that we need God's authority. We need God's help um, in our lives. And so here, you know, he's telling about how um, we can't fit into that, that old way anymore because we have this new way. Um and it's a better way anyways, you know, um, sure. but I, I feel like people this time, obviously, um, we're, we're caught up in um, living that way. They've been living that way. All, that's all they knew. Um, so this new way was, you know, harder or not necessarily harder, but just like a change. And sometimes it's hard to change. Um, can't teach an old dog new tricks. And that's kind of what was going on with the people of this time. 
For sure. And what I find interesting is that resonates even so well today. And the law was never even meant for the Gentiles to begin with, but they're so tempted to just fall back under the law because they want to rely on their works because they want to say that they're co-saviors. Mm. And it's a very synergistic approach to salvation, you know, that I, I think it it's very insulting to me that we try to claim any bit of our salvation for ourselves, our ability to gain it and maintain it. And, you know, the Bible is very clear that where there are works, there's no longer grace. Paul talks about people falling from grace. And there's a lot of those lordship salvation that will talk about that to scare people. But the reason they're falling from grace is because they're adding their works. You, Of course, you're going to fall from grace if you're no longer abiding in it you know mm-hmm. yeah if you think that you have to upkeep a certain um maintain a certain way of living um it kind of just shows that then what was the point of jesus you know um through your works like if you think that you can just do it in all through your works then yeah almost a little insulting to god is like well then you know i guess you didn't need jesus i guess but mm-hmm. obviously not um so yeah, I definitely feel like people can get caught up in in that. Or, And I think maybe sometimes the intention is like, it could be a lack of faith that they're worried that like, oh, like I'm, I'm not good enough. So like I, I need to like be as best a person as I can. And um, maybe I'll make up for the lack of, for the lack of good that I've done. Um, and that, you know, could just stem from a lack of faith and that, and that God is sovereign and, and God is in control. God has the authority um, and not fully trusting that Jesus' sacrifice was enough. For sure. And I feel that those type of people don't fully understand or understand their sin nature for sure. So, but we've been talking a lot today um, it's been referenced a couple of times, you know, Jesus is God incarnate. And our mm-hmm. final section we're going to look at is where Jesus claims to be the son of God, which we can find in John chapter five, verses 16 through 47. So go ahead and take a listen. And therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus and sought to slay him because he had done these things on the Sabbath day. But Jesus answered them, my father worketh hitherto and I work. Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him, because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but said also that God was his Father, making himself equal with God. Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, The Son can do nothing of himself but what he seeth the Father do. For what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. For the Father loveth the Son, and showeth him all things that himself doeth. And he will show him greater works than these, that ye may marvel. For as the Father raiseth up the dead and quickeneth them, even so the Son quickeneth whom he will. For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son, that all men should honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son, honoreth not the Father which hath sent him. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming, and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live. 
For as the Father hath life in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself, and hath given him authority to execute judgment also, because he is the Son of Man. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in the which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice, and shall come forth, they that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. I can of mine own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me. If I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. There is another that beareth witness of me, and I know that the witness which he witnesseth of me is true. Ye sent unto John, and he bear witness unto the truth. But I receive not testimony from man, but these things I say, that ye might be saved. He was a burning and a shining light, and ye were willing for a season to rejoice in his light. But I have greater witness than that of John. For the works which the Father hath given me to finish, the same works that I do bear witness of me that the Father hath sent me. And the Father himself which hath sent me hath borne witness of me. Ye have neither heard his voice at any time, nor seen his shape, and ye have not his word abiding in you. For whom he hath sent, him ye believe not. Search the Scriptures, for in them ye think ye have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me, and ye will not come to me that ye might have life. I receive not honor from men, but I know you that ye have not the love of God in you. I am come in my Father's name, and ye received me not. If another shall come in his own name, him ye will receive. How can ye believe which receive honor one of another, and seek not the honor that cometh from God only? Do not think that I will accuse you to the Father. There is one that accuseth you, even Moses, in whom ye trust. For had ye believed Moses, ye would have believed me, for he wrote of me. But if ye believe not his writings, how shall ye believe my words? So we see that Jesus' authority lies in his deity. So what do you make of this? Um, yeah, I definitely see that um, through the scripture that the authority lies in Jesus because he is God. Um, obviously, God is in control. God is the creator of everything, the creator of this earth. Um, so all authority is in him. Um, that's just basically what I see through here is that um, all authority is in Jesus um, as, as God incarnate. Yeah. Yeah. And he even tells people here, he commands them believe, but he also acknowledges that there's going to be people who reject him and do not love him, which we know that's a product of our sin nature um, mm -hmm. that there are people who reject the deity of Christ because their sin nature naturally rebels against God. But what do you, or how do you feel this correlates so well with the world that we live in today in the 21st century? Yeah, I think like, like we started with, um, you asked my favorite verse and Matthew 7, 13 through 14, I think, you know, connects with this of there's going to be a lot of people um, that don't enter that narrow gate. Um, and 
I think that it's very true today. Like it's not necessarily, you know, quote unquote, cool to, you know, to be a Christian. Um, and so we're going to see that everywhere people rejecting him um, and not loving him. Um, and it's, it's not a shock. Like obviously Jesus tells of that and predicts that. Um, and it's just something that we, we know we're living with and we know, um, but it's up to us to stay on that narrow path and to not join the, the, the larger group um, that's leading towards destruction. And we need to always be, you know, ready and um, prepared and on our toes to, um, you know, live for the Lord and to keep ourselves, our, armors, our armor on and ready against any attack um, that's going to come. Yeah, absolutely. And I just feel that today's world is all about my truth. And it's no longer my opinion. It's my truth. And we're in woke culture. And we're going to cancel anybody who is going to bring any type of biblical, righteous advice or make a statement that they don't feel this is right. So Christians are quickly becoming villainized as a result. Yeah, it's, it's very it's sad. It's very, it's very sad. hard. It's hard to, I find myself in life recently, like apologizing to people on behalf of the Christian church um, for being felt um, hated or um, I talking with people about, you know, just especially in college, you know, just meeting um friends and hearing about their testimony of their life and their upbringing and maybe they weren't christian they were christians and aren't anymore um because they didn't feel welcome or they did they didn't they were bored of it or um they uh you know didn't agree that they shouldn't be allowed to drink or you know they had their own rules that they wanted to follow and make up um so it's just hard uh it's, it's hard to like see that and um to be a part of that, that culture and that lifestyle and, um, or like of today's lifestyle of, um, you know, we want to do it all on our own and we, we don't want to be told, like you're saying, like, we don't want advice and wisdom from others that, um, might have to change how they live, you know, and, or like what they enjoy doing, it might actually be, you know, oh, it might be wrong to actually do, um, according to our beliefs and they'll just feel attacked instead, um, instead of seeing it as, you know, important or wisdom. Um, so it's, it is hard today. Very true. And, you know, that brings up something, you know, for me, I will never apologize for sharing truth with you because that is my love for you and my care for your soul in eternity. But you talk about people yeah. who are hurt by religion I absolutely will apologize for those who have masked themselves as Christians, who right, branded right. themselves as Christians and uh, use their religion to attack people yeah. because that's not inviting at all. And we all have a history. We all have a past. And you know what I've noticed is everybody has their own issue that they're yeah, going to deal yeah. with that they don't yet know. So I just... I do apologize to people who have been 
hurt by religion. Yeah. You have pastors out there saying that people who are homosexual can't be mm -hmm. saved. You have people out there who um, are telling women that if they've ever had an abortion, which I don't agree abortion's ever the answer, but I do see circumstances and empathize with circumstances as to why they end up getting them. But you know, for the ones that go on to have remorse for that, and then the Christian just looks down on them, that just to me is very not a characteristic of Jesus. It's very not gospel. Um, and that's, yeah, like when, I, when there's times that like, I feel that like, hey, like, I'm sorry that this happened to you. And I'm sorry that you had this display of the Christian church, because that's not what it should be. You know, I, I tell them that um, Jesus came and you know, the main thing he told us to do was love. And I'm sorry that the, these people um, that are claiming to be, or maybe just are Christians that, um, you know, just might've said the wrong thing in the wrong time, um, that they didn't do that right. And, you know, we are not the judge. We are not the final judge. We are just told to love. And I feel like that's very hard for some people to do. Um, and then that leads to, um, bad cases and people getting hurt. Um, sure. But it's important. It's important to talk about. It's important to be aware of um, because it's a very prevalent thing in today's culture. Yeah. And I try so hard to break down that barrier to so many people that just have such a disdain for Christianity because I try to point out that there's a difference between the people who claim to be a Christian through their words, and there's a difference between somebody who claims to be a Christian through their actions. So that's something I try to remind people of. So as yeah. we wrap up on today's topic, Jacob, yeah. what would you say? How can a Christian experience the authority that they have in Christ? Yeah, so Jesus Christ came to this earth with the sole intention of um, being our savior and coming to um, reconcile the lost. Um, and in him, we, he has, he has authority. And then in him, we can find that authority, um, you know, accepting him into our lives and accepting him into our hearts. And um, that authority can then be found in us. Like he, he offers that authority to us. We have the opportunity to have the Holy spirit, um, living and dwelling inside of us, which is, you know, an incredible and an amazing thing um, to think about that we can have God inside of us. Um, and that same authority that created this entire earth, this entire world um, could be dwelling within us. And um, I think it, just leaving, knowing that, you know, this, this is for anyone, this offer of salvation, this offer of um, authority um, in, in healing, in, in prayer, in, um, wisdom is, is offered to even us, you know, I think that's yeah. such a beautiful thing. For sure. Well, Jacob, it was great to have two conversations with you today on this topic. Um, yeah, un unfortunately, the audience won't get to see the one, but it seems like we touched on pretty much all the same things that we did earlier. In my opinion, this conversation went better than the one yeah. earlier today, even. So yeah. really cool. <laughs> But thank you so much for coming on. Of course. Thank you for having me. It really means a lot.
All right, guys. So it was another great conversation today. Thank you so much for tuning in to this first visual podcast. I hope it was a little bit more entertaining than just staring at a picture for the hour and a half. So um, I do hope to have a little bit of a a different setup going next week. That way it's a little bit easier to maneuver and all that, but not too bad. I really enjoyed it. So um, I do hope that this topic was edifying to you and your walk for sure. We did discuss a very important topic that I feel gets overlooked a lot today in Christianity, and that is the atop or the topic of authority in Jesus Christ. So if you have any questions about today's topic, or if you have any questions about the gospel message, or just anything in general, you just want to reach out, uh, you can send an email to revivalistforchrist at gmail.com, or you can also reach out to me on social media at rfchrist10, that's R as in revival, F as in four, Christ in the number 10. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Now, one thing I wanted to read before we close out here is a section from the book of Colossians. I absolutely love Colossians. There's so much great information in here. Uh, But the section I want to look at is from chapter 2, verses 8 through 10, because I feel that this correlates so well with a lot of what we were talking about today. So let's go ahead and read that real quick. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, and after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. Now, a little bit of context this section. So the Colossians, they were questioning and even preaching heresy to an extent about the deity of Jesus. They didn't quite believe that he was in bodily form. And anyone who's familiar with church history knows that a very uh, popular uh, heresy that got off the ground rather quick was Gnosticism. So the apostles were really fighting that very early on. But what we see here is a defense against that. We see that the Godhead, the power of the Godhead is present in Jesus Christ in his bodily form. But When we go back to verse 8, and this is what I feel we need to learn, because I don't know, ever since I've started doing this ministry, I've had the chance to talk to a lot of different groups and meet a lot of different teachers who, in my opinion, have (laughs) no reason to be a teacher whatsoever. It's very clear that they've never opened the Bible a day in their life, and they're just kind of teaching what they've been indoctrinated to teach and not so much diving in for the truth themselves because it's all right here. I just, I don't quite understand people, but, you know, between the Robbie Zacharias scandal and this um, realization, it's just, I really want to get that message out to people that we are not to let anyone spoil us. That is to carry us away from the truth. You know, we see here, The verse talks about the rudiments of the world, which are those elementary religious teachings that the world produces. And we see that today, too. We see the New Age movements. We see all this today. Um, And, you know, definitely when it comes to these teachings, they're following after traditions of man, teachings of man. And that's why I always tell people, if you can trace your doctrine back to a man and that man is in Jesus Christ, you haven't gone back far enough. Or maybe you're completely out of the branch of Christianity altogether and you need to get under the the right branch of world religions. But um, I think this is very important because the fact that 
we have authority in Christ and in Christ, the fullness of the Godhead is present. We can see here that we ourselves are complete in him because that is our blessed assurance. You know, there's so many benefits that come out of that. And we see them right here in Colossians. For example, in verse 11, we see the spiritual circumcision being raised from old life in verse 12 um, into new life. Verse 13, the removal of the curse of the law. Verse 14, and the conquering of Satan and his demonic forces. Verse 15. And a lot of that is just the the benefits of believing in the gospel, that imputed righteousness, that eternal security. And those things, for some reason, do not get taught in the church today. And many don't believe them. Even people who, at one point in my life, I would have considered great spiritual mentors. Um, so just, it, it's kind of disheartening to hear. But that's why we should always seek after the word ourselves. If you're going home from church service and you're not going to your Bible and checking to make sure that your pastor or whatever preacher you tuned in to watch this week is preaching accurate doctrine, you're not doing yourself a service because we're supposed to test all things and compare them to the word of truth. So this will help us practice our authority in Christ. And this is the other thing that I really want you guys to grasp is that we do have authority in Jesus Christ. We are sovereign citizens in this world, and through Jesus Christ, we have the ability to overcome sin. We have the power in Jesus to preach the gospel. We don't have to carry the same level of bondage that the world does, and I think it's very easy, especially in our Christian walk, to just assume that oh, well, nothing's ever going to change, and if you have that attitude, like if you feel like well, there's nothing I can do. You're absolutely right. There is nothing you can do. That is why we have Jesus. And I think a lot of people hear this term, like, well, pray about it, but they don't really know what that means. Like, people don't really understand how to pray for deliverance. And everyone's walk in deliverance is going to look different. Sometimes you may need to fast. Sometimes you may need to spend multiple times in the Word. Um, maybe sometimes you might even have to call off work for the day and really pray about it you know there's just everybody's deliverance is going to look different but knowing the authority that you have in jesus and learning to embrace that authority and keep it with you every day will not only help you in your walk with christ but it will help you with your interactions with other people it will help you be confident when you're preaching the word of truth so definitely all things that I would encourage. So I did want to share all that, but I just want to let you guys know a little bit more about Revivalist for Christ. So go ahead and take a listen. Revivalist for Christ is much more than a podcast. It's a whole movement that seeks to unite the body of Christ in order to act as first responders to this lost and fallen world. We actively seek for opportunities to advance the kingdom by using the power of the gospel and rely on divine intervention from the Holy Spirit to bring about a great revival in the name of Jesus Christ. We also actively fight to bring the reverence of God back to this world. We want to work with you, as well as your church, your family, your friends, or whoever would like to get involved. Revivalist for Christ specializes in apologetics, so Christians are able to identify false teachings and defend their faith. 
We know there are wolves disguised in sheep's clothing, which is why we believe in abiding moment by moment with our shepherd, Jesus Christ. We want to build a strong fellowship to be able to equip and protect each other from the ever-growing threat of persecution that Christians are facing around the world. We don't want to be confined to the web. We want to be in the harvest, fighting for everyone's soul to be saved. If you'd like to get involved, we could definitely use some prayer. You can also keep up with this ministry on social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at RFChrist10. You can also contact us on there or email us at revivalistforchrist at gmail.com if you're interested in getting involved. Finally, you can help this podcast grow by subscribing. Also, leave a comment. I'd love to hear from you. You can also like this podcast to help us in the algorithm and share it with your network to help it grow. Until next time, remember, God can use anybody, and Jesus came to save everybody. Rest in his promises, and take care, family.